I want to share with you something which is uh, maybe a little bit of a nakuda, a secret to chenuch, even regular chenuch, because of course in chenuch there's a million different things you have to do and not do, and a lot of obstacles, a lot of danger, and a lot of stuff, a lot of uh, situations. But I was trying to think when I raised my children, what was it that was the underlying concept before? I acted or reacted or did or didn't do before everything. And I had to dig very deep because I realized it's not something that I did consciously. It wasn't that I felt um, uh, in this situation I will punish this way or I will not punish this way. Uh, I'll have more Rahmanas, I'll be funny. It wasn't that. It was something that, I, that was in the subconscious like a Hanacha that I built on that I looked at every situation with a certain view and that's why I came to the conclusions of how to be mechanach my children. So what is this thing? And I think this, is, this might be it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Think about it and let me know. But I think this might be it. I realize that growing up is a process. That's it. That's the whole thing. That growing up is a process. So I never looked at it as an end product. Which means that I never expected my five-year-old to do the right thing all the time. I never expected my 10-year-old to be good all the time. I never looked at it as anything but a process. And I'll, I'll bring out a few, I don't even know if I'll remember everything, but here's one, one little uh, incident. My 19-year-old boy called me up and said, listen, this Shabbos, he had an off Shabbos in Yeshiva. And we had a, a very close um, family simcha. And we were all going away to a hotel for Shabbos together. Our family is very, very close. And so he really belonged there. And he asked me, he said, Tati, what do you think? I really, instead of going to the family simcha, I really want to, it's an off Shabbos, so my friends are off. I want to go and spend Shabbos with my friend. And um, it was obvious to me that the, that, that was the wrong choice. It was very obvious to me that uh, he knew that it was the wrong choice. And if I would have asked him, what do you think is the right choice? He would have told me the right choice is I belong to be with the family, with Zaidi and with Bobby and with everybody. And, and that's where I belong. And he knew that. But he was telling me, I have a, I, I'm a child. I'm immature. I, I, I want something. That's, that's, I felt that it was an appeal. It wasn't, he wasn't asking me what's right and what's wrong. And, um, and I understand that. I understand that kids are, are, are going to want to do the wrong thing. And telling them always, oh, that's wrong, that's immature, that's baby, what's the matter with you? That, it, it, it's a process. They're not holding by it now. They'll hold by the right thing uh, later. I told them like this. I said, listen, you're 19 years old. 19. That means this is your last chance to be a teenager. Teenagers do stupid things. So if I were you, I would chaperine and enjoy your last bit of teen years and do the wrong thing, and go spend Shabbos home, you know, with, with your friends, and, and miss the Shabbos with the family. And he, and he tells me, wow, thanks, Dad. And he did it. <laughs> and he went with his friends. And I had no problem with it. I knew it was wrong. He knew it was wrong. And he did the wrong thing. And I'm okay with that. And he knows that I'm okay with that. So I realized that that's really what it always was. It's a process so when they did things that weren't right, I never felt confident to say, no, according to your level, exactly your maturity, and make a whole calculation, 
right? That, that, that is not okay for you to be that. I always just sided with them that they're not up to that in the process. I tell them, stop playing your game and go to bed. 20 minutes later, I come and he's still playing the game. Right away, the reason I was so calm, I think, is because deep down, I, I'm okay with that. I know that that's part of growing up, that you don't do the right thing. And that's okay. So I'll say, oh, yeah, I caught you. All right, listen, now it's time to put it away. Give me a big hug. Give me a big kiss. Turn it off. And that's it. There was no punishment because I wasn't angry. I wasn't angry because I didn't expect any better. And when they do good, I was like, wow, look how good you are. In other words, I'm not angry when you fail. I understand that failure is acceptable. You're a child. And I think, I think it's the same thing with adults. And I think Hashem does the same thing with us. Is failure acceptable? It sure is. What's Yom Kippur? Why did Hashem make Yom Kippur? There should never have been a Yom Kippur. I told you not to sin. You sin and you get punished either in this world or in the next world. Why did Hashem have to give us a freebie? As the Svarim Akhtashim say, that Yom Kippur is a day of espaisus, a day to make up. It's a day I want to purify you. Come do this little thing, big deal. What are we doing? We sit a whole year, we do big averis, we fast for one day? Does that make sense? It doesn't have to make sense. Hashem says, do these things, and I'll, that's enough of a tikkun, it's enough of a, you're showing me that you really didn't want to sin, I'll wipe it off, I'll delete it off your system. Imagine a guy gets 20 points on his license, is supposed to take away his license, and the judge says, listen, for one day, go sweep the highway, and that's it. L'fnei Hashem Tataru, I want to be metar you, and on this day, that's the day of Yom Kippur, is to be mechaper you. I know you're going to sin, Sin happens. It's a part of life. It's in the Bria. And Hashem is understanding of that. Say, Slach Lanu. Do tshuva. Do tshuva me'ahava. You get, you get, you get, the Averis becomes schuyais. So, I don't really see that even as adults, we understand from ourselves that we don't want somebody saying, look how bad you are, look how bad you are, you're horrible, you're terrible, I told you, I told you. You, you want a chance to chop yourself, you want a chance to make it back. So why do we look at kids and get so frustrated with them when they act like kids? So you told the kid, you can't have soda before supper. And he, you come back, and he's having soda before supper. I look at that and I say, Oh, he's a kid. How does somebody get angry at the kid? That means that you have to have an amazingly fast calculator. You have to calculate, hang on one second, he's six and a half years old. He's six and a half years old. He's mature. Yes, he's mature. He's pretty mature. I think at six and a half years old, he should have listened to me. Maybe it's only at seven and a half. How do you know? The answer is that parents think that I don't need to know. He needs to see discipline Otherwise, he's going to take advantage of me for his whole life because he's lazy and he's bad. He's essentially corrupt. And if I don't put my foot down, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my foot down, even if he's not ready for it. And eventually, when he's ready for it, so then it'll make sense. But what about the damage you're doing until then? What about the damage you're doing to the kid who was not ready for the Musr, who didn't deserve the Musr, who's just a kid? Let's go back a little bit. You had a kid who was born. The kid cries in the middle of the night for food. The kid goes ahead, terrible twos. Can you hate a kid like that? If somebody's smart and not frustrated with their own life, 
when the kid in the terrible twos, and he does things that terrible twos do, they go in, under the sink and they pull out everything, you say, oh, Baruch Hashem, he's progressing normally. It's a normal child. There's something called terrible twos, and he's two, and he's terrible. Kevaldik, I have a healthy child, Chazdei Hashem. If you have a kid who's not terrible, maybe he's something wrong with his brain. When a kid is, doesn't get frustrated, maybe something's wrong with his brain. When a kid doesn't ever misbehave, maybe something's wrong with his brain. They say, they say just recently, um, uh, Donnie Frank from OL said that he asked Rav Steinman, what should happen if a kid is chutzpah And Rav Steinman told him, there's no chutzpah. There's no such thing as chutzpah. So he looked at Rav Steinman and he says, what do you mean? If you sell, tell your kid do something and the kid says no, it's not chutzpah. Rav Steinman said, Ma tarotzeh? Atarotzeh tembel shedagia kol azman. Ken, ken, ken. He says, what do you want? You want a dope that he's going to tell you yes, yes, yes? We have to raise our kid with the understanding that it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not always listen. So when they listen, we say, I'm so proud of you that you listened. When they don't listen, instead of breaking them, you tell them, it's okay that you didn't listen. I know most of the time you listen. And over here, I understand this must have been a big thing for you. This is a big Nisayan, a big Taiva. And I hope next time you're going to listen. I think one of the Nakudas that I really felt is I never took it personally when they failed. Just like if a kid doesn't do well on a test, I don't take it personally. When he doesn't do well in the house, in the commandment, in the cleaning, I never took it personally. So I always looked at it with a Shmeichel. Like, okay. He didn't do well now. Hopefully he's going to do it. And I daven for them. I hope that he's going to mature. You see, this is another Nakuda. People really, I think parents, put too much on themselves. When the kid does something wrong, they think, I wasn't mechanachim right, and I'm bad, and I have to teach him right from wrong, and I have to this. Do you know that most kids, if they're just happy, they're going to mature? If they live in a normal environment, they're going to want to make their parents happy. And most of their life... The parents have nothing to do with it. I look at my kids sometimes, they do something so good, and I think, wow, I had nothing to do with that. They're just good, and they're just smart. So therefore, they become mature, and they become giving. We're happy not to mess up the kids, because they grow. And most of their struggles, the parents have nothing, they don't know anything about. I work with parents, the kids are off the derech, and over and over again, they find out years later... That meanwhile, the kid was molested at five years old, at eight years old, or at ten years old, and went through this trauma, went through this, and the kids don't share it. So most of the difficulties of the children, we're really not there for them. We really don't know. Most of the things that they do well are also, Hashem gives them a bracha, they do well. We're not that important. It sounds so crazy. We really are very, very important. But with the schlepping, I'm going to make him better, I'm going to scream at him and yell, that doesn't work. So therefore, I'm thinking that the Nakuda under the Nakuda is that when my kid does something wrong, I looked at him, I'm like, yeah, he's eight years old. I expect it. I think one of the problems is that there are some kids that are really, really good, and they only do bad things four times in a year. And the parents should say, wow, this is number four of the last 12 months that you defied me, that you did something wrong. You know how amazing you are? That's really good. And instead, every time, they give them, they get so angry and so frustrating, and they give them such over the head, they break them. And why? The kid is really, really good. There's no kid that's going to be perfect and never make trouble and never be defiant and always listen. There'll be something wrong with that kid, a temple. Something wrong with the kid. 
So we have to also understand, and you have to draw the line. Maybe you say that over eight times I'll start to get angry. But the first eight times in the year, I mean, maybe if it's in one week, it's a problem. But I want to bring out something else. That it's brought from Rabbi Zilberstein. And he says that he realizes that parents that raise their children with control, right, by being stronger than them, and it's punishment, and it's all part of control, and tension, then they raise the kids to become rebellious. He says it comes out, Venimsa, it's like a thesis that he talks about, and he says it comes out that raising your children with strength, with being a takif, without Rachmanus, causes that we ingrain in the child a certain rebelliousness, and I see it. I see it. I see kids that are zis, sweet, and the father is there punishing them, and you look at the kid's face, and you're putting into this kid such a hatred. Why can't we be mechanech with simcha? Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein's latest book, Lechanech B'Simcha. Why are you so upset at the kid for being a kid? Why are you so angry that a kid defied you? That's what kids do. You have to be mechanech, however you do it. Even if you want to patch the kid, why are you so angry? Nesiv Shalom says that there's nothing worse, the biggest evil in the world, he says. There's nothing more evil than punishing your kid because hitting a child because So there's nothing more evil than that. He says that when a person is angry, He says, and how could you think that from an akas from this anger that you have, which you're surrounded by kolmine gehenim, and you're, 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 you're like avaydazara, you're dini avaydazara, how could you think that from such a kas can come out chinuch for the Torah of Hashem? You can't, you can't do this with kas. So many chashuva stories we have of people, there was one chashuva tzaddik, he used to have a special hat and jacket that he used to put on before he hit. This way he would calm down, he would calm down, and he would first go ahead and put on his, his different jacket, and this way he knew he had to get calm. He had to go find the jacket and whatever, and then he would give the kid a, a patch. And think about it. All this chinuch that everybody's saying, no, would you be proud if this was videotaped and it was shown barabim at the Torah Masorah Convention on how to be mechanach, a child who's chutzpahdik? Is any of this tough stuff, it's, it's, there's no self-control, it's never, I don't think it's ever done correctly. You have to be an angel for it to be done correctly. So you're doing something wrong. But if you look at it a little differently and you expect your child, you can almost chapana. I've had kids that they did, you know, you tell them don't do something and then they come and they do it and you say, why they do it? And they have a terrace. And I'll be like, oh, that's pretty clever. That's clever. Next time, don't do that. And therefore, I raised my kids without any rebellion. There is no rebellion at all. And I feel bad for other people who don't understand the payoff of having kids that, that don't have any rebellion towards their father. I I, I feel bad. You don't understand. You don't understand what you're missing. And all of those instances that you, you took, the childish behavior, usually normal childish behavior, and you turned it into a rechuk, a wall that lasts forever. And all of those layers and layers of walls of separation, of rebelliousness that you ingrained in the child, you don't realize what you're missing. You, you don't understand. Tonight I just dropped something off by my kid. On the way up, whatever, I dropped it off and he texts me afterwards. Thank you so much. I love you. So I wrote back, love you more. 
And he wrote, texted me back, that's debatable. I mean, there's no bigger nachas in the world. That doesn't come from hitting and yelling and screaming and judging and looking down and being frustrated. It doesn't come from that. Even if you do it right, in which nobody does it right, you have to build the relationship to be so close that the kid wants to please you. My kids want to please me so much, more than probably, I don't know, must be the top 5% in the world. Why? Because they know how much I care for them. They know that every time they messed up in their life, I was there stroking their hand, not hitting their hand, stroking their hand, saying, I understand. I was a kid too. I'm so sorry that you're in this situation. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to make you stronger? How are we going to make sure this doesn't happen again? My kid got, got um, I got a call from the principal and he said, your son is... Um, he was suspended. He, he did something very bad, um, and he was suspended. I said, can I speak to him? He put my son on the phone. He burst out in tears. So I, I, he, he put back the principal on the phone. I said, wow, I could tell he's crying. means he's probably wrong. He's embarrassed of me. And he said, yeah, he's wrong. So I said, yeah. It was beautiful that my son, he didn't lie to me. He didn't say, I don't care. He just cried. He was embarrassed of himself in front of me. So I told him, Shefla, no problem. Go home. I'll meet you at home later. I stopped work. I went in the middle of the house. I walked inside. I went over to him. I smiled. I opened my arms. I said, give me a big hug. I need a big hug. He melted in me. He was having a tough day. He did something wrong. He knew it, Klar. There was no rebellion because I didn't make him feel bad. I made him feel that I am sorry that he screwed up and he had to deal with this. I gave him a big mushy hug and he was like teary-eyed. And I said, don't worry about it. It's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. It's okay. You know what's going to make you special? What are we going to do about it? And I suggested to him, I said, you know what? I have an idea. I think you should write your teacher a letter. And I couldn't believe it. He sent me a picture of the letter that he wrote. This little kid wrote his letter, a letter to his teacher. Total achna. I'm not saying don't do chinuch. I'm saying this is chinuch. I accomplished the goal. The kid wrote to his teacher, I'm so sorry that I did whatever, whatever. You could expect better behavior from me in the future. And he was really sorry. And the teacher was overwhelmed. The kid came to school the next day with an envelope, with a letter inside, and he handed it to him. And he handed it to him because he wanted to do that. I helped motivate him by giving the idea. But the idea was coming from somebody that he trusted, that I feel for you, and you're not bad. You're a kid. You made a mistake. Let's get you out of this mess because you don't want to be in this mess, and I don't want you to be in this mess. And that's what caused him to go ahead and to do that, and I told him, I'm so proud of you. I told him, you're the biggest man in the world. You're Mama Shagibar. There are big people who don't apologize. There are big people who are defending themselves. Bottom line is, you know what you did was wrong. And you apologized for it. You're stronger than you were yesterday. You grew from the experience, and I'm so proud of you. And you know what? That smile on his face, he was proud of himself. So we took a perfect example of a kid getting suspended from yeshiva, turning it into an opportunity. It was an opportunity for me to bond with him, to show him that I'm boosting you, and for him to step up to the plate, respond in the most mature way. And we lost no relationship, zero zilch. So if I tell a kid to do something, he doesn't do it, I'll sit down on his bed, I'll say, so what's up, what's bothering you? And he'll say like, oh, whatever. I'll say, okay, no problem. I'll do it for you. Next time you'll do it, 
And the answer is always, yeah, sure. So you have to understand when they're 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and they're raised like that, therefore, by the time they're 14, 15, 16, they're looking to do, they always do everything, whatever it is. I look at the other side of my Shabbos table. I have four kids standing up to see what's Tati looking for, what does he need? Because I will pour for them soda. Sometimes the soda on the table, my son will say, can you pass the soda? I'll open it up, I'll pour you. He says, no, you don't have to pour me. I say, I want to pour you. And that's why they pour me. It's not like in the olden times that we could say, pour me soda. I never ask them to pour. I never ask them to do for me. But they know that I'm there for them, believe in Efesh, without judgment. In my heart, I do not judge them. I guess I wasn't very, uh, very, I'm not a good person, and I wasn't a good kid. Because I just look at myself and I say, I made mistakes. I did things. I got thrown out of school. I, I did things that were chutzpahdik. I did things that were stupid. Why, I turned out, I think, pretty okay. Why is it so crazy we go nuts when the kid does something that's stupid? Why are they not untitled? I think they should have a certain amount of stupidity that they're allowed to do a year because you're a kid. It's like I think they should get 20 times a year when you're five, and every year they should lose one. You should only, when you're six, you should only have 19. When you're seven, you should only have 18. There's a certain amount of, of a nar. He's a nar. A nar does stupid things. That's okay. A teenager does stupid things. I've done so many stupid things. So when I look back, I see so many people, the friends of mine that I grew up with, and they were so stupid as teenagers. And all of a sudden, they're fathers, and they have this serious look on their face as if, I can't even imagine what you're doing. I'm like, you kidding? You snuck out of yeshiva, did da 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 and you this and you that, and you... And you can't even imagine that your kid who's doing one-tenth of what you did, you're looking at it like you totally forgot your entire youth. You were the best kid. You never did anything wrong. Are you kidding? I remember when you this and when you that. And it's like mamash amnesia. They look at their kid, and they look at, at sometimes an eight-year-old, and I can't believe you did such a thing. How did you do such a thing? When are you going to get nachas from you? And they wipe the floors with the kid. It's like, why can't you just say... You know, you're eight, and hop around and enjoy yourself, because when you're nine, it's going to get harder. I look at these kids, they're carrying a big load. I feel bad for how much they have to try. Yeshiva's really hard for them. And, and I'm there for them, and I understand them, and I understand them when they fail. And I think because I really deeply understand them when they fail, and I don't have expectations, and I don't judge them, I think that's why it's easier to be mechanach them. So I think that's the chiddush of parenting, that growing up, is a process. They're under construction. So when they do something wrong, it's part of the process. It's expected. It's expected and you could use it as an opportunity to bond and to show understanding and not to break the self-esteem of the child. Because we have a crisis now, a crisis in America, a crisis in the world, a crisis in the Yiddish community called self-esteem. We have kids who think that they're worthless and the reasons are many, but if the parents think and give them the impression that we think that you're worthless, then they're dead. They're just never going to make it. I know people who are adults, and they're rich, and they're everything, and they're successful, and you see, they mamish have no self-esteem. This guy is a beautiful baltfilla. He finished it. Was I good? I was good. Yeah, yeah. You give him a compliment. He lights up. Everybody likes a compliment, but you could see this guy is such a broken self-esteem. Oh, yeah, did he see? He talked about me. He said something. What did he say? What did he say? Uh-huh. I got a new boat. You know, you, you see my boat? You see, they can't even enjoy anything because they're tzeshmetered. And you see the next dar is a shvach, a dar, that there's a shvachkeit in the self-esteem. Parents have the ability of boosting the child's self-esteem in spite of all the things that break it. 
parents also have the number one, the number one biggest ability to destroy a child's self-esteem, which ruins his life forever. And we do it in the name of Torah. We do it in the name of Chinuch. I have to be Mechanachim. I shouldn't be Mechanachim. The goal of Chinuch is to motivate the child to be stronger and better for the next fight. Anything that breaks his self-esteem, you can't build somebody by breaking them. You can't lift somebody up. You can't raise somebody up by squishing them on the floor and making them feel like I am an ant. I'm a nothing. I'm a garnished. When you do that to a kid, you destroy them. I saw somebody that was being mechanech, his 13-year-old, very immature kid. He told him not to do something, and the kid did it. He told him not to do it again, and the kid did it. He told him not to do it again, and the kid did it again. I, I would have gone over to the kid, and I would have said, Shefila, what's going on over here? Can you please not do it? And I would have gotten the kid to stop without destroying his self-esteem. The father went over to him, and he gave him a speech. And what came out of the father's mouth, without him even realizing it, I would write it down, I would like to play it in slow motion, and show you how you took the nefesh of the yelled and you tzashmetered him. It's ready three times I told you not to do it. You know, you knew that you bothered him. You did it on purpose. You don't care about anybody. You're selfish. You're a selfish person. That's what you are. He's mamish. He was kares. He was killing the kid. He was paskening on him that he's selfish for life. He was a narish. It was a narish kite. The kid could end up being at 20 years old, a regular normal person. But now you told him, you are a selfish person. He should have said, maybe he could have said, what you did was very selfish. He could have gone over to him and said, you're such a good kid but what you're doing is so selfish. Why are you doing it? What's bothering you? Something bothering you? Can I help you? Take his side. You could have done it nicely. Instead, not only did he punish the kid, which, okay, would have been okay, but the speech, the words that came out of his mouth, Mamash, without even thinking about it, I was horrified, and I saw that the father had no clue even why I was horrified. It was like, this is just daily dishing. You're nothing. You're, you're selfish. You don't care about anybody else. That's who you are. That's the way you want to be. We're not going to care about you. That's it. And all this kind of, whoa, he's 13, he's immature. That doesn't mean you cut him off for life. It's not a life sentence. He didn't do anything so terrible to deserve that he should think, my parents think I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody, I'm bad. That should never happen. Yaakov Avinu on his deathbed, he told Shimon and Levi, Ur Apam, your, your anger should be cursed, not you're cursed. Not you're selfish, you're angry, you're murderers, you're bad. Or apam, you have a problem. And cursed should be your anger problem. That you went too quickly and you killed Saddam, you, you uh, killed and that over there. And they, what was it again? Right. And, and, and you embarrassed me, Chamar and all those guys in Shechem. You embarrassed me. Uh, that was your issue. You have issues. But not you are an issue. You're a bad person. We can't stamp them as bad. So I realize if you always go ahead, whenever you come home after a long day of work, or when your kids come home from school, and you're expecting, let's see the chiddush today of the, of the disappointment that I'm going to have in them. Let's see the misbehavior. Let's see where I tell them to do something, and they're struggling. You say, oh, this kid struggles with cleaning up his room. This kid struggles with this. This kid doesn't like to help out. They go through all kinds of matzavim. Expect it. Don't be judgmental. Don't be so mean. Don't look at them any different than you want to look at Hashem. Reb Chaim Kohn said, comes to Yom Kippur, Kirachim of Albanim came Tirachim Hashem Aleinu. If you can't tolerate your children when they make a mistake, how could you have the goal to ask that Hashem should tolerate you when you make a mistake? 
When you take your children, you look down at them and you, you, you push them away and you push them down and you don't forgive them and you get angry and you're a captain and you're, you're, you're jealous, you're, you're messed up with them and you're angry at them and you take it personally and you think they're bad and you're always complaining when they mess up. How could you expect Hashem to act differently? The way that you are merachim on your children came to Racham Hashem Aleinu, Mida Keneged Mida, Hashem will be merachim on you. And you go to Hashem and you kipper and you say, Hashem, please, my children messed up and I forgave them. And I'm always nice to them, I'm always kind to them. Please do the same thing for me. And this is a tremendous limit for yourself. For yourself. But you see people who are so mean to their kids. They're so frustrated. They're so angry. And sometimes I look at the kid and I see this little kid. You're terrorizing a little kid. He's already convinced that he's a horrible human being. Well, he's a little kid. He's not horrible. Maximum, he's immature. Maximum, he's going through a stage. Maximum, he'll grow out of it. And you, and you kill him and you stamp him and you stab him for life? How could you turn to Hashem and say, please go the extra mile for me. Please look the other way for my sins. Please understand that I did things that are wrong. If you want Hashem to be understandable with you, you have to be understandable with your kids. And I think that's the first nakuda to expect them to mess up because it's a process. And they're getting better and better every year. They get more mature. Don't expect them to be more mature than they are. I remember the first winter blast. I went to shul. I put on my scarf. I put on my earmuffs. I put on my coat. And my kid was 13 years old. Let's go to shul. I said, you want to put on a coat? And he tells me, no, I don't need a coat. I said, okay, no problem. Parents are yelling, yelling. I said, okay, no problem, no coat. We're walking outside. He starts to shiver after a block. I said, huh? Pretty chilly out, huh? No, I'm okay, I'm okay. Oh, a block later, he's like shaking. I took off my scarf. I said, I, I stopped in the street. I took off my scarf. I gave it to him. I said, it's more important for your neck to be cold, for, to be, for your neck to be warm than for my neck. No, he was embarrassed. Whatever. I told him, no problem. I took his hand. I put it in my pocket. I held his hand in my pocket. I said, listen, let me tell you something. This is how you learn. Because you start off as a kid, you're a child, and you say, no, it's not cold. I don't need a coat. By the time you're my age, when you're old like me, you'll know to put on a coat. When I was your age, I also didn't wear the coat. People forget you were nourished. You did stupid things. You didn't listen. You were rebellious. That's all part of growing up. Why are you so tough on the kid? I see parents, they look at the kid like they, ah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what he did. How could you do such a thing? Meanwhile, the father or that mother was ten times worse than the kid. Chill. We got to chill. We got to tell him, this is the way. I told him, I walked him. I said, you're going to remember next year? And if not... You'll be cold again. It's okay. By the time, I said, I guarantee you, you're going to learn faster than I learned because you're a lot smarter than me. I always set the expectations very low, very low. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to do better than me. I'm sure you're smarter than me. You're going to mature faster than me. And I expect them to make a mistake. Growing up is a process. Being mechanachy children is not always about saying you have to get 100, 100, 100 in everything. Be perfect, perfect, perfect because that's going to make them build up into it that in case when they finally can do the right thing and they can be perfect when they're 35 years old, then they'll see nachas from you. No, they need nachas now. They need nachas now. You need to tell them, wow, this year you're 9 years old. You only defied me 30 times. That's amazing for a 9-year-old. Keep a cheshbin. They're not so bad. Give them some slack. Tell them that they're good. You'll make, you'll motivate them that they will want to be good. I always say we don't want our kids to be good. 
We want our kids to want to be good. You don't want your kid to wear a yarmulke. You want your kid to want to wear a yarmulke. You want your kids to want to listen to you. I remember a father said, it doesn't say anywhere you have to like your parents. It says, Kabe de Savicha. You have to respect your parents. When the, when the kids grew up, I know that, that family, they talk or respect their parents, but they don't like them. And that's not the way. The way is, you have to get your kids to motiv- be motivated to be mechabed you because they like you, because they want to serve you, because then when you're old and gray, they're not just going to do the minimum. They're not just going to put you in a nice old age home. They're going to be there for you, and they're going to be you, and they're going to take care of you, and they're going to make sure that you're comfortable. And your whole life, once they get over the teenage years, your whole life, they're going to take care of you, and they're going to love you, and you're going to be proud of them. Because growing up, is a process. Learning is a process. And therefore, chinuch is a process. We're all under construction. You know those construction sites? They say, pardon our parents, we're under construction. Pardon their behavior. They're under construction.